Where did you go to school? And who is your daddy? What do you think of what's going on right now, mate? These evil little invisible parasites. Satan-worshipping Freemason morons. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not run by factions. Get the fuck out of here! There are much more powerful international forces in play. Is this pink guy? Is this what pink guy is? I don't fucking know what's happening. Please go outside and look at the moon quickly. It's been crazy, guys, but guess what? It's how it is, mate. Mate, because I want to do this Well, I ain't spending any time on it. Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims, and con artists. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and today we're bringing you a vast catalogue of the truly weird, the deeply unhinged, and a Republican political candidate in Arizona who finds release from stress by giving himself a five-fingered phallus flossing while parked outside a <laughs> childcare centre. Not a good place for that. That's a lot of alliteration there. And good news, <laughs> listeners, he hasn't let being charged with sexual indecency get in the way of his political fortunes. He's still on the ballot. Good man. Democracy is important. And we asked the question, can Kanye West get any crazier than this? Uh, spoiler alert. The answer is yes. A big yes. And uh, Elon Musk has got into bed with the Saudis. Now, the Saudis normally only get into bed with goats, and that must make Elon want to go, meh, because he paid way too much for Twitter. Way too much. And we'll have all your favourite segments, including which Black Bill Fuckwit said that. And we've got very serious this week, sadly, in Solstice for the Man. Had to, not, had to, yeah. And we'll get right on with all of that uh, soon. But right now it's time for our weekly reminder that the show ain't free and we would love for you to fling some cash our way in these uncertain economic times. Yes, the landlord isn't actually a listener of the podcast, so I do have to pay actual money. But... You can help with that because for as little as $5 a month, you can be one of our special friends, patrons of the show. You have access to behind the paywall content, which we do most weeks. Zoom meets with Jack and I. We do little powwows monthly and you can watch us record the show. Yes. uh, Simply go to www.patreon.com backslash the condition release program and sling us a bit of dough and we'll love you forever, but not in the wholesome Republican family values. Let me just have one off the wrist outside this kindergarten way, but real love that doesn't require you to keep a box of tissues in the car. We promise to make eye contact the entire time. (laughs) Please, (laughs) listeners, just... Because it please. does help a lot. Just it really does. Just, just please. And now it's time <laughs> it's to get on. Desperate. And now it's time to get on with the condition release program. And let's kick it off with the weekly news. Now, listeners, you'd think the anti-vaccination movement might be in full retreat with the pandemic now fading into memory, but COVID is still with us. Deaths among the elderly and those with pre-existing health conditions are bigger now, or more now, and in the face of it, you'd think the anti-vaxxers would have scuttled back under the rocks from whence they came. I'd always said that COVID vaccines were the end game for anti-vaxxers. The science and the data that followed would cast them as the cowardly conspiracists they are. I was right about the data. But I was wrong to think this movement would uh, shuffle off. The anti-vax movement has grown during the pandemic. What was a movement of dangerously stupid weirdos urging new parents not to get their children vaccinated (coughs) and suckle their children on bone broth has changed into a political force. (laughs) And what we we have now is a larger group addicted to disinformation and counter-narratives, and they vote. 
Oh. They hate mainstream media almost as much as they abhor politicians, but for all that, they continue to consume, watch television and buy fast food. And that makes them worthy targets of marketing, political or otherwise, even if it is of the niche variety. And sections of the mainstream media are pandering to them, hoping to catch that audience of nutters and expand on it. And we mm-hmm. can see this with programming and right-wing media in, in, in Australia and in the US over the false argument on COVID vaccines and transmissibility. Oh, yeah. And as far as advertising goes, there is no better market than a gullible one. And you can see this in yeah. tran- like you know Telegram and other spaces where you'll see these crypto scams, you'll see all this opportunistic nonsense, you'll see these fraudulent fake Patriot yep. phones and clear phones and stuff, and they are simply designed to take money from morons. Yep. So you can see why dying <laughs> Fools industries- in their money, you know, yeah. Oh, 100%. And advertisers just love these people. So yes, they are trying to expand that market, and it's going to be interesting to watch that happen because uh, at the it's expense actually, It's actually really venal. It, it, it's actually appalling because the people who are doing this, and we're talking about the media operators, uh, I won't mention any names, um, but no. uh, but uh, some of the ones here, for example, I, I, I know exactly what they're doing. Exactly they, they, what they're doing. They are not anti-vax people, but they have decided that they want to ex- expand their audiences, and the best way to do that, they think, is uh, is by pandering to anti-vax, uh, anti-vaxxers. Yep, yep. It's worked for Fox News. Made them millions. So, oh, God, it's, it is a pretty depressing episode, to be honest. It's very depressing. It's actually really depressing. It means the movement is growing. Uh, and, and look, it all kicked off over this issue of uh, particularly Pfizer, the Pfizer vaccine, and transmissibility. Yeah, yeah uh, it really did. And it's really just the biggest a biggest pile of bullshit you've ever seen in your life. Oh, completely. So th- to give a bit of perspective on this, on October 11th, Rob Roos, a member of the European Parliament from the Netherlands, which is a fucking hotbed of pill material. I tell you what, those it guys is. are fucking nuts. He wrote in a tweet that went completely viral. Twi- this is the quote, breaking. Oh, I hate that. In a COVID hearing, Pfizer director admits vaccine was never tested on preventing transmission. Getting vaccinated for others was always a lie. And the tweet included a video clip showing an exchange between himself and Pfizer executive Janine Small during this sort of little parliamentary inquiry into pandemic management in in the actual European Parliament. In the European Parliament, which cookers hate. (laughs) That's exactly it. They fucking hate the EU. But it's so easy to get into. You get all these fucking wing nuts turning up, and uh, oh, it's a shit show that yeah, place. Yeah, you've had people from uh, you, you've had uh, elected members from Golden Dawn, various fascist groups in Nigel Croatia. Farage was in there. Farage was a member of the MEP, despite being a rabid Brexiteer. Most bizarre um, thing. He yeah, fucking hated the EU, and he group. was a part of it anyway. So Ruse basically asked. Quote, was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. And if yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And he said this in such an antagonistic way. When you hear the quote, you're just like, shut up, dickhead. But look, he knew exactly what the question he was asking and he knew exactly what the answer was going to be. So she replied quite honestly and said, no, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market, which... You know, she walked straight into the trap. The trap well, was set. Or she's going to lie. She, it was an honest reply. I and mean, the objective yeah. of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine, uh, or any other for that matter, was not to prevent transmission, nor was that a requirement for its initial authorisation. And we knew that at the time. Now, Ruse followed a, a, followed by a chorus of the usual suspects. Shriek, the big farmer had lied and big government in turn rolled out the falsehoods. 
but it's provably, almost laughably false. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. It's a bad faith argument. I fucking hate it. It's been a bad month, guys. Uh, in January 2021, the US Food and Drug Administration issued an emergency use authorization for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. And they stated, this is a quote, at this time, data are not available to make a determination about how long the vaccine will provide protection, nor is there evidence that the vaccine prevents, prevents transmission of SARS-CoV-2 from person to person. It's very clear. That's very it's clear. Just there. And that's January 2021. That was when the Pfizer vaccine was starting to roll out in the United States and starting to roll out across the world. Yeah, and it's important to say this is data. So this is about like well-organized clinical testing, yep. which is robust data, and it's not just the fact that they can sit there and say, we've got good results. We don't have that data, so we are not going to tell you anything that's not accurate. You know, we have hopes, but that's not exactly. data. Exactly. We, we have fears, but that's not data. Exactly. Um, um, yeah, so look, just, just to get around all this issue of transmissibility, the only way you could test transmissibility of any vaccine can only be determined over a fairly long period of time, maybe five to 10 years. That's the sort of thing. And you would start getting a, a good data set. But we didn't have five to 10 years no, back then. we We'd, did not. I mean, we could have stopped and said, oh, look, let's just let maybe 14, maybe 20, maybe 30, maybe 40 million people die until we get that perfect data set. And then we'll roll out the vaccines. Of course, that wasn't going to happen. Economically, no. the, the world couldn't couldn't deal with it. So we no. needed to get something out that was going to diminish the symptoms, the effects of COVID on individuals. Yeah, and like the 14 million, you didn't pull that out of your ass. That is actually a number that was pulled out by modelling to yeah. say that without the vaccine, there was approximately 14 million plus excess deaths on yeah, the table. That, that was a very so conservative estimate from from a, from a mathematical modelling um, yeah. that's, uh, that's, um, uh, that has been now peer-reviewed. The, 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 the very conservative estimate was 14 million. Uh, their other estimate based on their modelling was 19 million. Yeah. We'll get to why that's probably a bit low anyway in a minute. With this, of course, you know, we never really know what's going on, but it doesn't really matter because the whole opacity of this, people would die and that's bad. Yeah. So we have Lots anti-vaxxers there saying how these vaccines are ineffective, blah, blah, blah. But throughout like 2021, in any country that you could name, COVID-related deaths for unvaccinated people per 100,000 occurred at roughly 10 times the rate as it did for those who were vaccinated. So, ten I mean, times. 10 times. 10 times. Mm. Fuck you. Just fuck you. So data from the US Center of Disease Control, CDC, and prevention show that during the first week of December 2021, when the Omicron variant began taking hold, unvaccinated people were dying at a rate of nine per 100,000, whereas the fully vaccinated people were dying at a rate of 0.4 per 100,000, meaning unvaccinated people were 20 times more likely to die of this virus in that, in period. that period with yeah. this variant. I mean, in that period. come on. Now, now, there has been a decline in the gap between the, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated in terms of death rate due to a statistical shift as the Omicron variants arrived in more recent times. These variants are more infectious, more transmissible, and more lethal numerically to the elderly and those who have pre-existing health conditions. Yeah. As it stands, I mean, look, there are a lot more, uh, a lot less unvaccinated people in the community now, yes. too. That's the other issue. And, exactly. of course, um, the, uh, the, the the vaccinated people in virtually every country, and certainly in Australia, runs about runs about 90 to, 90 to 10. 
um, yes. out of 100. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, as it stands, the figure is now that the unvaccinated are four times more likely to die than the vaccinated. So it's that's, narrowed. That's yeah. still a lot. And that's like, that's hard data. I mean, yep. like, it was until someone basically started sniffing around the issue of excess deaths that this sort of stuff was somewhat ambiguous. But excess deaths have really shown us exactly what's going on because nothing else much has changed. Of course, cookers will say it's the vaccine, but they're fucking morons. This That's is what they've done. Yeah. basically what the WHO have done. And everyone says the WHO does nothing, but these kind of statistics and figures that we rely on to get an idea of what the fuck is going on, alongside the ABS who do great work as well, yes. that's what they're doing. They're giving some kind of clarity to this because it has been a really difficult thing to understand. Mm. So the WHO reported Australia's excess deaths, and this excess deaths are a figure beyond what occurs historically in the recent past, taking into account deaths from this sort of case pandemic. Yes, well, we're there. Um, so if the, if we were living in a period of war, uh, then it would take that into account too. So yeah. in, in this case, what we're looking at is excess deaths with the context of a pandemic. Yeah, within the yeah. context of a pandemic. Yeah, so like they've factored it in. But when the death figures came in in Australia in 2020, that had a negative figure of excess deaths. But when 2020 was 21 was calculated, we had a differential between actual deaths in the recent past and a further 40-odd thousand deaths. Mm. I mean, that's a lot. It Even is. correcting for certain things, it's a lot, and especially a population our size. The WHO figures suggest that in 160 countries out of 182 around the world, there are a lot of excess deaths, especially in places that actually bother measuring this stuff. Mm. And they're saying around overall 25 million deaths. 25 million more deaths. Yeah. Yes, so 25 million deaths. To, uh, 25 million more deaths. Now, not all of them are down to COVID, but, but it would seem that a great many are. I'll just go on to explain. Epidemiologists are struggling to explain. Uh, but one very strong theory is that many countries, including Australia, have underestimated or misdiagnosed COVID-related deaths. Uh, for example, uh, the World Health Organization puts COVID deaths in India at more than 20 million, but the Indian government, who refused to cooperate with the WHO study, put it at two, puts it at 2 million. Mm. Um, Australia's excess deaths were initially negative because it was explained that there were there were not the influenza and other transmittable respiratory tract infections with lockdowns and restrictions in people's movement. But when the country opened up, those deaths came back, you know, they came flooding back and we had yeah, a really did, bad yeah. flu season in 2021. So so yeah. there you've got some explanation for these for these deaths. Still, there are unexplained rises in ischemic uh, heart disease, Alzheimer's and dementia, uh, and while cancers, interestingly, are still within the predicted bands. Uh, by the way, none of these conditions have been proven to be exacerbated by COVID vaccines. You know, did, is, anyone, is anyone going to draw a link to dementia and, and, and vaccination, Alzheimer's and vaccination? No. Yeah, don't put that out and, there. And nothing will. in ischemic heart disease. But cookers will look at heart disease and go, ah, ah, ah. Exactly. And it's complete bullshit. I mean, like, this is the thing they're going for. And they've leapt on this as a sign that the COVID vaccines are killing us all because one of their dire predictions you know, is that this is a depopulation program. And this, of course, spared them of any sense of community responsibility because they were doing the right thing by themselves because they were going to basically sit back and watch us all die. Yeah, no one likes to be called a coward, Joel, so that's (laughs) – even though they were. Oh, totally. But it's nonsense. (laughs) So they're going to come up with some rationalisation. 
just cowards who are scared of needles and addicted to counter narratives. And it's just complete bullshit. And, you know, these are just selfish, shitty people. Have you noticed that most anti-vaxxers are kind of pricks? I mean, like, it's not a coincidence. So there's no evidence to support the claims at all. While I can see why they have this paranoia around heart issues because of the myocarditis, pericarditis thing, that's been gone through a million times. Those conditions are, generally speaking, so mild they're not even noticeable. They are very transient and they are either a Within and, that two weeks after vaccination, not or not at all. At the conditional release program, we will not lie to you. The, no. the reason for the excess deaths in almost every country of the, around the world is not at this stage completely explainable. Now, I could go into why that's difficult um, and what data you use, whether it's death certificates. The death certificates might might list a cause of death as basically heart condition, but the the primary uh, the primary cause of that of the death may be something completely different. It may be COVID. It may have been something else. I mean, you'll yeah. often see in a, in, a, in a death certificate something like renal failure, but that's that wasn't the primary cause of the illness that brought the death. Yeah. So, so these things get very murky. And epidemiologists and statisticians smarter than us, yes, well, is, is that possible? Yes, of course, it is. <laughs> uh, are examining the data now, and will over time draw firmer conclusions. But the overwhelming evidence is that the majority of excess deaths are caused by COVID or COVID-related conditions. And look, one one look at our own COVID deaths in Australia tells us this much. Uh, not everything, but a whole lot. In, in 2020, there were 909 COVID deaths in Australia. In 2021, we had another 1,300. So we get to around about 2-2. Two, two, now they've been over 15,000. So we, we're just not keeping that death toll on, on the front pages of newspapers anymore. No, uh, and no so press people, conferences. Yeah, people are actually genuinely surprised when you say, look, you know, there, there have been... Uh, there have been uh, another 12,000, 13,000 deaths in COVID just this year to date. Yeah, we've and, let and, rip. And, and, and COVID, yeah, we have. And COVID deaths have grown exponentially by a factor of, well, by a factor of, of, of uh, well, six uh, in yeah. just three years. You know, well, no, if we if we look at that, by a factor of 15 in just three years. Yeah. And that means it's more important to be vaccinated and boosted, you know. This yeah. is why this anti-vax stuff that's been picked up by the mainstream media is really dangerous because it's really more important to be vaccinated and boosted now, probably more so than, than it was a year yeah. ago. Uh, and, and not for yourselves, not not for ourselves, you know, if we're young and fit. I'm, I'm neither, but but you are <laughs> but you are reason, you've reasonably fit into that category, Joe. But if I'm you're young, of both. young and fit... Uh, you, you really don't have much to worry about in terms of COVID. I mean, there, there are the there are the um, the exceptions to that, but they're very rare. But if you're young and fit, yeah, um, okay. But get boosted anyway because you're doing so for the vulnerable in the community, the elderly, and the millions of Australians. And there are millions with pre-existing health conditions. They might have cancer. They might have pre-existing respiratory conditions. They might have serious asthma. You don't know. You're walking among these no. people and you really don't know. And so it's, exactly. re- it's, a, it's a bit much for media to be promoting this idea that vaccines were all kind of, we were pushed into these things and, and they've all lied to us and all this sort of nonsense, pandering to this nonsense, having Graham Hood in their programs and all this sort of bullshit. You know, when really we should be pressing, media should take a responsibility. It's not... It's, it's not that you want to scold people. It's not that you want to lecture people. It's just to say, listen, no. if you feel a, a shared sense of responsibility as part of your community, go and get vaccinated and go and get boosted. I mean, I go and visit yep. my mother in, in an aged care place. I've got a rat test before I walk through the front door. But I would hate yes. to think that I had not taken whatever steps were necessary that when I walk into that place, I could leave a half a dozen people dead. 
uh, through yeah, asymptomatic exactly. COVID infection. Exactly. Oh, totally. And look, let's face it. If vaccines, as they say, prevents people from getting the virus and having severe illness, that does prevent transmission. So just shut the fuck up about transmission. It's an absolute no-brainer. It is a bad faith argument. Because it's a bad faith argument that's actually, that's actually factually incorrect. Because what actually it what, what it did prove, and we've just gone through the stats here, is that if you are unvac- unvaccinated, and, and transmissibility couldn't be tested. There was no data available. We're just rolling the vaccines out. But what we have seen since and what we will continue to see, if I might be so bold as to predict this, is that, that if you are unvaccinated, you will have you will be more infectious for longer. And unlikely to test because you have a fucking tinfoil hat on, well, you're an yeah. idiot. Yeah, that's all of that too. That's the behavioural stuff, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. That is the simple fact. It's Statistically speaking, COVID is still with us, despite the fact we've let it rip and we've got our heads in the sand. It's still attacking vulnerable people and they are dying. Fortunate people in the community who are not dying are refusing or just not bothering to get boosted because yeah, basically really a mix ra- between low, really low anti-vax propaganda and... But it's also just, uh, you know, apathy. And yeah, ambivalence because we don't have these press conferences in the morning. And this is what happens because you end up getting COVID, you get more infectious, you're not told to stay home, you kill a bunch of people at the supermarket, and you don't even know about it. So, look, it's very frustrating to see this play out the way it has. We were the most cautious country in the world for COVID, and now we are the ones who are dancing as we sneeze and just seeing what fucking happens. Well, people are dying. That's what's happening. And it's, it's a real shame to see it. But, yeah. I mean, look, it is what it is. We've had, we've had almost 13,000 deaths year to date. Right? Let's yeah. just let that sink in for a moment. And, and, uh, it's, and, and it's a lot. We, and we've got a lot better, or our medical people have got a lot better at determining what is a COVID death and, and what isn't uh, than yeah. perhaps we were in 2020. But yeah. in happier news, Joel, it turns out it's always the ones you least expect, which paradoxically means they are the ones you expect the most. It's always them. And we are talking about Randy Kaufman, a Republican candidate in the Maricopa County, Arizona Community College District, up for election tomorrow as part of the US midterms. And he's a sort of family values kind of guy, you know, pro-Trump, big family guy, Trump. He's just got Mm, a big family. God-fearing. I suppose. Mm. God, yep, loves God, you know. God, country, and guns, was recently found in his truck having one off the wrist while parked in a community college car park with his vehicle facing a fucking preschool where children were playing just metres away. Confronted by police, Randy, very Randy Randy, told the cops, (laughs) quote, I'm just really stressed out. I have a lot of things going on. (laughs) Stress relief. relief. Fortunately, stress relief was at hand, or indeed in hand. Um, Although, (laughs) very Randy Randy was charged with public sexual indecency. Oh, no. So when the cop asked Kaufman what he saw outside, Kaufman said, the child centre, but I didn't notice it until you came up and I got out of my truck. <laughs> okay, cool. That thing that's like 20 metres away. I really hadn't noticed it. I was, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I, I just hadn't noticed it. Yeah, uh, just didn't anyway, notice it all, yeah. Here at the Conditional Release Program, we do not kink shame. We fully accept that human sexuality is a broad spectrum, sometimes extremely broad, Uh, but at very least we might have expected Randy to pull the pin on his political career. Yes, and I will say we don't kink shame, but there is a line and wanking outside a childcare centre is quite far across said line. (laughs) It's a long way across that line. It's a long way. But despite this, it's 
business as usual for Randy Randy, who did suspend his campaign, which means fuck all. Nothing. I mean, nothing. No, nothing. He didn't step down and he remains on the ballot with voting set to end on 3rd of November and childcare wanker might actually get up. <laughs> It's possible. I doubt it, but it's possible. We'll let you know if voters in the Maricopa County Community College District have forgiven Randy Kaufman for knocking one out during a lull in campaigning and decide, uh, they may decide that they want him to be their big swinging dick for the next four years, Joe. And, of course, it's absolute crickets from the pedo-obsessed QAnon crowd (laughs) that are all over Maricopa County. It's a completely fucking pilled area. I know Maricopa's okay. Maricopa's okay. Maricopa was actually a very strong blue. I believe they've got people fucking camped outside the ballot boxes with guns over there. Uh, yeah, Arizona. I mean, we look, Maricopa is not necessarily a proper reflection on Arizona, but Maricopa is basically downtown Phoenix. Okay. Um, okay. And, and downtown Phoenix can be a little bit crazy at times, but but it is it, it is a pretty solid blue area. But it does speak volumes in the fact that the fucking oh, cult that will call anyone a pedophile, it's actually not that you're a pedophile. It's that they disagree with your politics and therefore they think that you somehow fuck children as a result. It's just embarrassing. Yeah, but, but moving, but on, moving from on there, it has been a huge month for Nazis huge. and conservative edge lords, with Kanye West making anti-Semitism cool again and yeah. Elon Musk not buying Twitter. Both things have just been so annoying to watch. And while it's clear that Kanye's pivot toward blaming the Jews for everything is a result of a severe bipolar breakdown, that is very much something we should be considering this time. He has managed to surround himself with the most opportunistic fucking enablers on the planet that have encouraged him to say the quiet bit out loud while they stand by and champion his right to free speech, which is in reality just their fucking cowardice because they're anti-Semites who are too afraid to say to things say out themselves. loud. To say themselves, yeah, yeah. Candace Owen has, has even taken this opportunity to sucker him into buying all but dead social network parlour. God, what, that's just not worth the money. I mean, if they, no. if they were giving it away for 25 bucks, you'd go, no, that's too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And look, it happens to be managed and part-owned by Candace Owens' husband. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's just a coincidence, Joe. Just a coincidence. Yeah, apparently the guys who are investing in it are just fucking over the moon this is happening because they can get all their money back. <laughs> what, what else What else were they going to do this thing? They, they just basically drive it into the tip. You know, it was yeah. just a shocker. And no it, yeah. one was using it, and and now 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 they've got this, you know, at least multi millionaire who's gonna is gonna kickstart it. In the Apparently, name of when free when speech the, and the the right to be anti-Semitic. Before the whole parlor buyout thing was on the table, he had sixteen followers on the platform, and then magically thirty five hundred. And you know what that's called? <laughs> that's called bots. Yeah, they are called fucking bots, and yeah, the reason why that happened. Are is because they are trying to convince this guy who's having a mental breakdown to buy the fucking platform. Everyone around him is despicable. I'll say that aside from his immediate surroundings, my immediate surroundings have been impacted by this. I've had this hit me personally in a couple of places. For starters, I've seen people on, like in my circles on social media giving a bit of a sympathetic ear to this sort of classic white supremacy trope that's being thrown around because they're basically Kanye fans. And that's okay. Mm, yes. You know, I spoke to a mate recently and he's okay, a listener. Joel. It's not okay. It's it's, a, it's well, a kind of blind a blind advocacy, that blind sort of partisanship. It's not okay. It is, and I get that. But this is the thing of the sort of legitimacy of celebrity and this is what they're playing on and they know they're doing this. It is an incredibly powerful force. Mm. And since fucking... Ye opened his giant fucking mouth, people are asking the Jewish question. And we just didn't need this right now. This is the last fucking thing we need. Like, the culture wars are pretty hot right now, 
and this is like an absolute An- tank anti-Semitism, offensive. be it from the left or the right, is never far from the surface. Yeah, it's actually really, it's quite troubling. And this is another sort of personal anecdote. I've got a mate who I won't name, but he has bipolar and he found this out through a spectacular mental breakdown in his late 30s. And for the most part, people tried to make sure he was okay and understand what the hell was going on and not push him too hard, but check in and make sure that his little outbursts were, you know, something that they could sort of help him with because we weren't really sure what was going on. But then, of course, his Trump supporter mates got in his ear and suddenly everything was about fucking MAGA, sex trafficking, and being an alpha male. And this just fits so perfectly into his mania because he saw these people on the left trying to get him to calm down and seek help, which is no fun at all. And then there's these MAGA red hat dickheads goading him on, telling him he's doing awesome work, he's a hero for the kids, he's saving the children from sex trafficking. Can you guess which side he gravitated towards? And in the process of this breakdown, he destroyed his entire family business. Be the real you. That's exactly what they said. That's exactly what they said. They told him not to take medication because it was limiting him. Yeah. And that he didn't need it because he was that stops him from being you know the real him, and that's what Kanye says as well. It's a total trope. Yep. The cost of these episodes can be immense personally, and we don't think about these sort of things. Now Kanye, fuck him, he's worth millions. But watching this happen exactly the way I saw this happen to a friend of mine with these red hat wearing enablers, it's just a massive fucking. It's brought up some some wounds for me. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, look, I'm getting to Kanye. His breakdown should be contained by the people around him. You know, this is what friends are for. Instead, mm-hmm. they are amplifying it to take advantage of his celebrity, to legitimise and push their own white nationalist agenda and basically steal his money. I don't think he's going to have much left in a couple of years. It's no, just totally wild. It. And, and they don't even try to hide it. It's all out in the open. And Kanye, Kanye isn't new to anti-Semitism, though. And not only has Kanye been shooting shooting his mouth off about Jewish doctors and record executives, he's actually a long-time big fan of Adolf Hitler. Yep, yeah. Kanye is an actual Nazi or a, or a Nazi devotee. His love for it's Hitler crazy. has been described by people around him as an obsession and led to him almost naming his, M, his album, ultimately entitled Ye, released in 2018, Hitler. Gee, that would have gone over well, wouldn't it? You know? Yeah. Imagine just- if he actually did that. I mean, imagine if he did that. I mean, it would have been the end for him then. It would have ended up yes, like. Yes, it would, yeah. It would, have been, it would have been the black album. Um, yeah. It, been, it just would have been a black album. You know, what could be more black than yeah. this? Yeah. What could be blacker? Yeah. What could be more it- blacker? Just imagine the try and like the spin they would try and put on this. Oh mm. my fucking god! And look, I've always thought of Kanye West as a malignant narcissist at the best of times, but it never bothered me because shit musicians with rubbish politics are a dime a dozen, and he's they been are. trying to get attention through this whole right wing pivot for fucking ages. But now he's really like quite sincerely entered this space to incite distrust and potentially violence on Jewish communities, and he needs to pull his fucking head in. I mean. The, the cancelling of contracts and things like that's been really good because I think it does pull his head in a bit. But realistically, once you give him nothing to lose, like he's just going to go DEFCON whatever, right? Yeah, the Adidas, the Adidas contract would be really troubling him. It would have stung. That's a lot of money. It would have stung. And it stung both companies because he just he's having, he's having a fucking meltdown. Candace Owens is in his ear. Fucking idiot. The immense yeah. harm this is going to cause in red-pilling red normies, it's just its hard to comprehend. We are going to see so many more people asking the JQ over the next while, and it will be directly attributable to Kanye fucking West. And this is the guy that came out at that fundraiser and said George Bush doesn't care about black people. And it just reminds me of just better days, just simpler times when yeah. George Bush was in power. 
things were simpler. Meanwhile, Joel. Hard. Meanwhile, Joel. Elon Musk has bought Twitter. Oh, yeah. And that's the other thing that's galvanizing Nazis. And, of course, edgy conservative halfwits. It's just this this purchase of Twitter by Elon Musk has been the thorn in my fucking side. It's been done to death by the media and general conversation. So I'm going to try and stick to the weird side of it because we don't need to give you a. Yeah, we, we sort of know what's going about. on. We know how much he paid for it. We know that um, you know. I think about seventy percent of Twitter's workforce were 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 were, were hurled out. I mean, to be fair though, Joel, um, uh, they were probably going to get a lot of them were going to get the boot anyway. I mean, Twitter's there's just a, not making money. There's a clearinghouse going. I don't think the number seventy, but it's it's something. It may and not have been that, but yeah. the executives, the board was dissolved. He's the only one on the board. He paid fifty four dollars and twenty cents per share. And apparently the 420 part is because uh, weed, like it's funny. Like this guy's a fucking man child and he's working with billions of dollars. For some reason, he has the confidence of the community and his rich mate. I don't know how. So after buying the company, it'll be taken private and therefore there'll be no such thing as Twitter stock price anymore because it's all done behind closed doors. And with that comes a lot less transparency, which is going to be interesting for the implications of the future of the platform because you can sort of do more shit. So the purchase price was 44 billion US dollars. And it's hard to imagine that the company's going to get back to that value anytime soon. Well, the investors are an interesting bunch. Most of it is just based on bank loans against Tesla stock. But alongside that are a few interesting names who may or may not have good intentions for the future of Twitter. Uh, first up is Saudi Prince Alawid bin Talal. Yeah. <laughs> Terrific bloke. Anything the Saudis are involved in always makes us nervous. But the prince has been a Twitter shareholder for ages and simply rolled over his shares into part ownership of the new private company. It's hard to say whether he's had much influence before or even wants any, probably just hoping Musk pulls a miracle out of his ass and makes some money from it. He's the second largest investor in the company with $1.9 billion worth of shares at the offer price of fifty four twenty. Mm. And Jack Dorsey, uh, Twitter's founder, also rolled over his shares, 2.4% of the company worth just under a billion, and that will be interesting later on. Dorsey did actually endorse Musk's takeover yeah. uh, all those uh, all those months ago when, when it was up to a couple of false starts. Yeah. Larry Ellison has $1 billion invested in the new Twitter and is a fucking massive Republican and quite pilled. He's probably the most openly right-wing investor in the bunch, having given a shitload of money to sketchy MAGA candidates that openly believe the election was stolen through a $20 million payment to Super PAC Opportunity Matters. (laughs) Odd thing to call it. He's likely going to be investing in Twitter for ideological reasons as much as getting a return on his investment. A lot of these people, too, are Musk sycophants. It must be also They are, yeah. Ellis is on the Tesla uh, board as well. Yeah, uh, Ellison is, yes, yes. Yeah, now, is, yeah. uh, friends of Freedom and Human Rights, uh, the Qatar, the Qatari government, have $375 million tied up in this venture as well. <laughs> you know, it's just a, just a bit of loose change uh, yes. for the Soccer World Cup. And they're good people, though, you know. Great people. Human Great people. rights, yeah. They, they got human rights up the wazoo. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the Bloomberg Billionaires Index is, estimates the value of the st- stakes rolled over from the Twitter stock declined by about 40% since Musk made his offer in April based on a drop in an index of social media company shares. That's a big hole to dig out of, you know. So this thing yeah. probably won't ever make money. I don't think it's ever really made money, Twitter. I mean, really. it is one of these things we talked about Parler before. Um, these short media, uh, these sort of short short text um, 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 uh, group social media um, 
platforms, they tend not to make money. I mean, there's, there's, there's advertising you just scroll past. It's not like Instagram yeah. where you can almost be compelled to watch it or Facebook where you are. Uh, and so advertisers tend to avoid it or pay very, very low low rates. Um, so, so it'll yeah. be, But in the case of Musk, it doesn't matter if it doesn't make money. It'll be just something that he has as a sort of, you know, um, <laughs> free speech sort of um, uh, something that he can sort of dangle in front of people as a uh, as, as as a free speech advocate. He is a well, free speech absolutist. By the it way, it is a it's a significant amount of money. It's a significant amount of exposure of him, but it is shared across a lot of um, a lot of facets. And uh, I think that Musk can increase revenue at Twitter. Twitter, he's planning to for sure. There's plans to expand Twitter into other spaces, which includes the payment space. And this will be following in the footsteps of WeChat in China, which has a broad number of services attached to it as a messaging platform, which includes payments. So if that can work there, it can work here. We'll see. Yeah. Look, there, there's also an idea of subscriptions, which is just bananas. He, he, he also floated the <laughs> idea of uh, charging blue check verified users $20 a month. Are you a blue check boy, Joe? Mm. Are you a blue check Not man? Quite. No, no, I, no. I, 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 because I use a pseudonym, I've never been uh, never been given a blue check. So I unfortunately will not be able to pay $20 a month for the pleasure of being a big shot on the platform. I mean, just no. I mean, it's the it's the worst idea I've ever heard. That here, here we've given you something for free uh, for all these years and now we're going to charge you for it. It's just not going to happen. It's just fucking embarrassing. And everyone yeah. knows you know, that you, you, you know everyone would know that the blue checks are paying twenty bucks just to look important. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. You don't you want to be effortlessly cool, not paying to be cool, and that's such an important thing that Elon Musk just doesn't fucking understand. Well, that's the important thing about Twitter, Twitter yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then there's Twitter Blue, which already exists, but he plans to expand it heavily to try and induce people into getting on the subscription bandwagon. And this is the thing: like when the service is free, you are the product. But on Elon Musk's Twitter, somehow you're the product, but you're also paying him money. Like you got to pick a lane on that one. It's not. It's, it, it, it really won't work out. I mean, look, mainstream media has found a way through this. I mean, you've got um, Facebook and Instagram, so who have just eaten up enormous chunks of. What, what the the the, uh, the ever diminishing pie on, on advertising revenues, right? Yeah. Facebook, Facebook, etc. Facebook and social media platform take about seventy percent of that now. Yeah, um, it's tricky. But Twitter's never made money from advertising because you can just scroll past it. You can just scroll straight straight the hell past it. Yeah, it's still uh, and, I believe and it's always of listed as sponsored content. You go yeah, sponsored yeah. content. I don't want no stinking sponsored content. Yeah, and so yeah, you just scroll it. past it. It's it's harder to do. So so the business model for for something like Twitter is just not based around uh, having any sort of advertising revenues increasing. So no. this idea that you'll get around this on a, as as much of the mainstream media has done by by offering a subscription service to readers. It's just not going to work. I mean, if you did that and said, okay, you can have Twitter Lite, but you'll have to pay 20 bucks to get into Twitter proper, you'd end up with Twitter having about, you know, less than, less than you know, probably about 100, 100 million users in total. And as yeah. it stands, it's got nearly 2 billion. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tricky. So I'd say that much of the talk around the future of Twitter has been about whether competitors might take this moment to sort of strike at this uncertain social media landscape where Facebook is in decline, 
and there's several social media platforms that have tried to get this sort of traction mm. and it's most famously the ones that have sort of emerged as you know the sort of angry tantrums from twitter trump's twitter <laughs> ban like you know get a pile of truth none social of them, none of them yeah truth social none Total of them successful yeah just useless so dorsey has been working on a decentralized social media protocol an app named blue sky which has started getting some media at the moment because of this whole uh, elon musk kickback and mm-hmm. people have claimed this will grow it to be a twitter killer but uh Dorsey and Musk are mates, and Dorsey rolled his shares over into the new Twitter holding anyway. So, I mean, like, Dorsey has skin in this game. So, the idea that Dorsey is going to do this to crush Musk doesn't quite make a lot of sense. And if you look at the text between Dorsey and Musk, which were found under discovery in one of the, the, I think it was in the court cases uh, leading up to the sale. I mean, they're not competitors. They definitely seem much more like collaborators. And while the idea of paying for things with Twitter sounds fucking stupid to me, like, you know, using it as a payments platform, Jack Dorsey went on after Twitter to create payments company Square, which is huge in the States. I've got a Square thing. I'm looking at it right now. Then went on to be called Block because he's a massive fucking crypto bro. And you can kind of see where this is going. He's got this weird blockchain company that takes a shitload of payments. And then you've got this weird Twitter idea that they're going to start taking payments. And then you've got this guy, CZ or CZ, one of the investors in Twitter, who is the founder of crypto exchange Binance. So there's just crypto all over this thing, and that guy's got $500 million tied up in this as well. So, Well, well I, 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 you know, an online payments system is essentially how uh, Musk uh, made his money, that, the, yeah. the, the money that he didn't inherit. I believe um, he didn't really do too much of use in, uh, on, on PayPal. Yeah, but he walked, away with, yeah. he walked away with a massive Decent profit. Money, I'm not yeah. sure that it was a billion, yeah. but it might have been that sort of money. It's and good cash. Pay, uh, PayPal, PayPal, wasn't it? Yeah, PayPal, yeah, yeah. Look, another elephant in the room around the Twitter takeover is the firing of the CEO and other executives, including the CFO, yep. which may result in $200 million in golden handshakes and parachutes. Musk has claimed that they were fired for cause. It's going to be hard to prove. Which mm-hmm. would, it would mean they were not made redundant and not entitled to payouts. Uh, generally speaking, people think he will lose in court when it inevitably heads there. We just said that. But it might just buy him some time before having to pay them out. Now, you would think $200 million is chump change for someone like Musk. But to come up with that cash, yeah, $200 exactly. million in cash <laughs> yeah. and pay people out is actually really tough, even if you're, you know, the well, he calls himself the, the wealthiest man in the world. That's actually Vladimir Putin, uh, yeah. Elon Musk. That's why that's why Musk loves Putin. I'm sure of it because he's got, he's got fucking penis envy over him. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And that's the thing. We are looking at something very opaque here because, you know, the terms of the buyout are so bad that it's suspicious because either Musk is actually an idiot paying way over for this thing or there is some 4D chess going on here. So Dave Troy, a left-leaning conspiracy theorist, has written a Medium article that suggests that Dorsey and Musk are in this together to try and push a right-leaning agenda with lots of talk about Russia without concern of a financial loss. Now, I, I would say he makes too many reaches in the article for my yeah, liking. I don't reach. think that it's got the, a lot the of traction Russia on it. The pro-Russia stuff is a, is a bit of a reach, even though, as, as I say, I think uh, I think Elon's got a bit of penis envy over Vladimir. Yeah, and this is the thing. So 
the whole thing of this, with this was the idea of encouraging a multipolar world, and I think that's going to happen naturally anyway, but that's a whole other story, and you can read the article online and make your own conclusions. But the basic idea that Musk and Dorsey and other investors are willing to trade political outcomes for financial ones, to me, does seem very plausible. There's a lot of stuff about this collusion in Russia. It's far-fetched but not impossible, and my own little conspiracy theory would be that if there were to be Russian interest in this, then there would be Russian money in the deal because he was scrambling to get investors and that was a bit of a thing. But there may well be some money coming from Russia in the future, maybe in exchange for, say, a relaxed moderation policy on disinformation bots or some sort of other political outcome because yeah. Twitter's going to become a private company. If Elon Musk takes a couple of billion dollars from some random Vladimir Putin-linked uh, organisation, yeah, the, they the won't have the same thing, the scrutiny. The other thing I'd say, Joel, is that this sort of short media, um, uh, a short, sorry, short, uh, a short messaging media platform, social media platform like Twitter, is actually quite old um, uh, uh, technology, and it can actually move. So people can move on mass to another platform, and and it's yes. reasonably easy to create one. But will and, and, they? And then just and then just see this die. So I don't expect it to change that much. But but we'll be watching very very cl- very very closely to see just how much it does change. It, it, yeah. For me, it's a wait and see proposition. Um, yeah. But either way, it, it, it's been a bit of a tiring month for people who don't want to accelerate civil war in the USA. And our friends in the Jewish community have taken a beating. Literally, a Jewish kid was beaten up in. Brooklyn recently in an unprovoked attack by a black kid who took off on a bike. It's not good. And the timing between Kanye's comments and a random black kid beating up a random Orthodox Jew in Brooklyn, it's just the timing is too close. Unlikely to be a coincidence, yeah. Unlikely to be a coincidence. But, you know, as we said, we won't lie to you. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be straight down the line and just say we don't know. And while there has been a spike in hate speech, including the good old-fashioned N-word well, on Twitter, mm-hmm. it's mostly from a few bot accounts. When it's analysed, it was just a, a, a lot of just spraying from bot accounts and a few edgelords from 4chan, just dickheads. Yeah, I've seen accounts on the left whinging about things that may or may not have even happened to their accounts, especially the whole thing yeah, of losing followers too. due to a mass exodus from Twitter. Like, no. What happens is that you've got a shitload of followers who are bots that get routinely purged. And every now and then you lose a couple of hundred followers because they were bots. Yeah. People don't like you as much as you think they do. So shut the fuck up. But the real story here is that Musk is a shady motherfucker who is in bed with other shady motherfuckers. And the intention of these shady motherfuckers is opaque at best. So I would say personally, our real hope in this is that government intervenes in legislation to control this before it goes completely nuclear and we find that our entire fucking media landscape is being, well, social media landscape, is being flooded with shit by fucking Russian bots. But whether government intervention will be effective or even happen at all is yeah, yet to be seen. Yeah, that's what I mean. Government regulation. It's, it's, it's just, we, we are well beyond government regulation in this, we'll in this, in this circumstance. We really are. I the mean, EU are watching this the, the, closely. Uh, the only thing you can say about any sort of social media engagement undertaken by people is just be wary. Just be wary. Yeah. Just be wary of everything that you but see. But look what that's uh, fucking got us. Anti-vaxxers, What, what did Lou Reed say? Don't, don't believe nothing of what you hear and only half of what you see. <laughs> yeah, basically. Money. I'll do anything for you. Today's condition release program is proudly brought to you by Death, nature's way of saying boat number 22, your time is up.
Depending on which religious figures you listen to, death is a spiritual makeover, a reckoning of sorts where all your good works are put in one column, all your bad in another, and toted up. If you've been really bad, you'll either roast for all eternity in the fiery pits of Hades, or you'll be reborn as a single-cell amoeba, eating and shitting out of the same orifice. If you've been really good, you get to be a unicorn or Elon Musk, (laughs) and you'll almost certainly fuck that up, and it all goes around again. (laughs) The point is... Death isn't final, so roll up your sleeves and take the vaccine poison. Shout yourself to a free death and become part of the indisputable statistical evidence that COVID vaccines are an exercise in genocide. And if everyone else is dead, what's the point of you walking on the earth? (laughs) So listeners, get vaccinated, get dead, and start having some real fun. Something, something Hendrix. I think one of the first things it says within the Constitution is all laws within all, within... And with the sounds of Bouncer for Freedom and all-round good guy, <laughs> Phanos Panayides, ringing in our shell likes, it means it's time for which black bill fuckwit said that. The quiz show you can play along with at home if you have a mobile phone, access to pornography, a whippet, and a watermelon with eight centimetre hole cut in it. No, wait, that's a Republican Party pre-selection prerequisite. Eight centimetres deep or wide? <laughs> wide, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, oh, Diana. Uh, you are telling me a lot about your cock right now. <laughs> Don't you start talking about penises. <laughs> Never mind, listeners. You, look, look, that's a Republican Party thing. I got confused. Never mind, listeners. You can't play which black pill fuckwit said that at home. It's forbidden. That's right. But if you're successful in today's which black pill fuckwit said that, You'll be dead, Joel. I'll oh, play good. some pretty music, maybe sing a few bars while wiping your brow with a cool, damp cloth as death's clammy hand clutches and squeezes at your heart. Aww. You'll be just another casualty of a vaccination program put in place by big government, the New World Order, and who prefer to live on this planet with less grubby, grasping humans and more pretty things like baby giraffes. And let's face it, they're right. They are right, Yes. So, Joel, who said that? In order, <laughs> if you actually get this wrong, you'll you'll avoid death. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think that's the way we're playing it now. If got- my own logic to, is is, uh, is not failing me. So, who said this, Joel? Straight to the front lines, marching with thousands of like-minded patriots against this government bureaucracy. Ooh, was it? Roundabouts are big government control and T-intersections are pure evil. Dave, Guru, Graham, love that thought. Roundabouts. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what scares cookers, isn't it? You know, It is. It is. It's great. The Guru's scared of fucking roundabouts. <laughs> or was it former Qantas pilot, now grey nomad, who'd be able to travel a lot more if people gave him some more money, Graham Hoodie Hood? Oh, imagine on, the chance guys. of him having a he wank outside a childcare centre. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> He wants to go to Bali. He wants to go to Bali before Christmas. Can you weigh in? <laughs> or was it Putin's man in Russia? If Putin knew who he was, oh, Simeon Boykov. Who is that guy? <laughs> who is that fat fucking guy? Um, <laughs> or was it harasser of children and serial idiot, the human farmer, Tom Barnett? All of these are plausible. Before we go on, I just want to say harasser of children is something that came up when he parked his van in Tom Barnett. Maybe we well be living in a van. Um, he certainly drives one, and he was hanging outside schools in the Byron Shire. Yeah. And and he was confronting kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> confronting just kids. Them about vaccines. High school kids, and yeah, and hassling them about vaccines. Just what a piece gross. of shit. 
What an absolute So who said lunatic. straight to the front lines, marching with thousands of like-minded patriots against this government bureaucracy? Oh, guru. Oh. Damn. You're, Damn it. You're going you're gonna to live, Joel. <laughs> no, it was, in fact, Simeon Boykov. That was the day he was released from jail. Oh, God. And uh, and he went straight to an anti-vax rally in Sydney, straight to the front lines. <laughs> okay, yeah. Marching yep. with thousands of like-minded patriots against this government bureaucracy. Yep, Never one like to him. miss an opportunity. Simeon Boykov, the Cossack. Mm-hmm. And we've just, uh, we've just heard in news just in, he's been fined two and a half large, uh, two and a half thousand bucks or so. Uh, and lost his license for three months for hooning, basically, oh. basic hooning in his car. Oh, I think uh, in around the Canberra rallies, Joel. I think that's the, that's when he was when he was charged. <laughs> yeah, a so bit, of, bit of honking. He's two and a half. Bit of phone yeah, use. Two and a half grand lighter. I bet you'll try and uh, pay that by uh, by crowdfunding some way or another. Or maybe, oh, maybe, maybe I'll just get on the phone of the oligarchs. Can you, he's, bit, he's quite shameless. Can you sling us a couple of large? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yes, it was in fact Simeon Boykov. So it looks like, Joel, you may survive. But we'll see. We'll see because he's we'll question see. too. I have informed the court that I am a living person and I do not consent and all of that stuff. And I've done it now twice and we've got a hearing in October. Oh, we've already had October, so it's mm. Was it? She's having my baby. Mon Mon, Monica Smith. I don't know why she's I sang that song because she's not, not pregnant. really pregnant. It was no. a rumour. But I just just love the idea of saying, I don't know if you remember that 1970 song, She's Having My Baby. Mm-hmm. What a lovely way to tell me that she loves me. <laughs> Fucking most <laughs> awful song. That um, terrible. The 70s were great, but that was that was a low point. Um, okay, so was it Monty, Mon Mon, Monica Smith, or was it the man with the worst case of conjunctivitis known to medical science? Terrified of clouds. Look, there's another one out there now. Dave O'Neegs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's roundabouts, roundabouts for the guru. <laughs> but O'Neegs, he's scared of clouds. Or was it Sovsit Shitil, Daryl Brooks, who was convicted last Wednesday on more than 70 felony charges, including six counts of intentional homicide and more than 50 counts of reckless endangerment. We'll get to Fuck that guy. Minute. Fuck that guy. Or was it Californian Sovsit, who pleaded no contest to two counts of threatening the life of former sheriff and Taft City Councillor Ed Whiting after posting on Facebook telling local residents, we know Whiting is a deep state agent and I will be executing him for treason very soon. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't get any of this stuff on my Facebook. No, no. That's interesting. That is bizarre. I would be looking at Facebook a lot more if that stuff was popping up. I'm going with recently minted Sovsit Monica Smith. Yay, Joe. Very, very good. Well, you may in fact be on the way to a... You know, a dignified death. I can and, smell uh, the cologne of the Reaper as we speak. <laughs> what, does that mean? what do you reckon that would smell like? Probably, yeah. probably. I reckon it would smell a bit like Simeon Boykos back crack, I reckon. It <laughs> 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 something like that. Just awful. awful. Musty. So musty. And you'd be, you'd be, don't walk towards the light. <laughs> no. It's all Simeon Boykov smells in here. Oh, no. Um, yeah. So, uh, yes, it was, in fact, Mon Mon, who uh, has... <laughs> Just before Daryl Brooks, we did do it. We do want to pose the question in self for the man, is she going to do this after Daryl Brooks disgraced himself so appallingly in a Wisconsin, in a Wisconsin court just last or over the last month? Well, we'll, uh, we'll see. 
All right, Joel. Now this is going to take some reading, and I hope I get through it. Oh, um, I'm this at is it. your soft sit, your, your soft sit garbage here, um, and uh, it's all in caps. Uh, just so our listeners know that. Uh, who said this? For the forms of our punctuations are with the claim of the use colon full colon equals position dash lodio dash facts hyphen equals compound slash facts equals known period equals end slash thought comma comma pause and location tildes with the meanings and uses of the communications with the full colon of the position lodial fact phrase with the fact slash known dash term of the positional dash lodio dash fact dash phrase and with the void of the nom de guerre equals dead person. Ah, see, I read that, and now I realise that all of my law learnings were false, <laughs> and this is what I need to be focusing on. Whatever the yeah. fuck that was is the answer to everything. Yeah, it is, if you can just figure out what it means. Now, who said it? Ugh. Was it Sausage God and the man who was able to use the word Hawaii as a verb? <laughs> Self-appointed plenipotentiary judge of the Unity States of the World Corporation, David Wynn Miller. Or was it, show me a warrant? No, not that one. No, no, no! <laughs> Wayne Glue. That was funny. I like that. Or was it linguistic expert and creator of Esperanto, Ludwig Leiser Zamenhof? Oh, niche. Nice. Or was it Teeny Winnie Senator, the living person, in a self-sit uh, filing where he tried to sue then-PM Julia Gillard because he doesn't understand the legal term cause of action, Malcolm Roberts? It's got to be David Winmiller. It is indeed David Wynn Miller, well, the god of soft And he was the one uh, who actually um, came up with this soft language that was ultimately used by Malcolm Roberts using semicolons, colons, dashes, hyphens. In fact, even tildes. Ooh. Uh, that, that when, you, when, when you want to go real serious, you go the tilde. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's it. Name. Yeah, he, he was the – David Wynn Miller invented all of this stuff. And according to his Wikipedia entry, anyway, when he just when he found himself able to use the word Hawaii as a verb, and I can't really imagine how that could be. I mean, I've been Hawaii'd. I don't. I just. I just don't know how you can use Hawaii as a verb. But he was able to pull that off, and that's when he became a self-appointed plenipotentiary judge. He's still around and still considers himself a judge, although uh, the criminal justice system. Uh, <laughs> disagrees. Yes. And he has spent, one, spent quite a bit of time in, in stir uh, over one or two legal problems he's had. Bless his heart. We fired you. We sacked you. We dismissed you as what? As garbage, because that's all you are. You're a criminal. You're a traitor. And you're going to the biggest barbecue in history. So from Christmas dinner to you are the dinner. Thank you. That's what I'll go with. Now, today, listeners, we are going to go with a different form of sovsits, Fee the man. We are not going to poke our usual fun at sovsits because this is a truly awful story. And uh, we give thanks to a lot of our listeners um, uh, who actually sent me clips from the trial. A number of them did yeah. so. And I was keeping a fairly close eye on it. And indeed, it was all over TikTok. It was all over social media as well. It really did capture the imagination of a lot of people in America. It was a terrible business. And uh, we just want to get on with it now. And it's the trial of Daryl Brooks, the man who killed six people and wounded 62 others in a vehicular rampage in suburban Waukesha, Wisconsin. 
uh, just outside of Milwaukee, during a Christmas parade on November 21 last year has finally come to an end. Brooks, having sacked his state-appointed lawyers before the trial commenced, opted for a sovereign citizen defence. Mm-hmm. Sovereign citizens, uh, and most of our listeners will know that, are a loose will know this, are a loose collective of people who present pseudo-legal arguments to courts and argue the state has no jurisdiction over them. Obscenely, this allowed Brooks to cross-examine and badger witnesses, many of them injured by him, including a mother who had witnessed her two children being injured by him in the attack. It was painful to watch, and there is no doubt the soft-sit Brooks re-traumatised victims with his appalling behaviour at trial. Yeah. As the Waukesha Circuit County Judge Jennifer Doro read the sixth intentional homicide verdict into the record, Brooks placed his head in his hands, which is the first sign in weeks that he actually understood the consequences for the cowardly attack were finally coming his way. And as the verdict was announced, a man in the gallery yelled out, burn in hell, you piece of shit, and was ordered from the courtroom. Yeah, as you'd expect, but uh, it was still Still. pretty telling. The 12-person jury guilty verdict was never in doubt. Witnesses and CCTV footage confirmed Brooks had been involved in a dispute with his former partner where he had assaulted her at a domestic violence refuge in Milwaukee. Another woman intervened and Brooks drove off in his SUV. Now, why he drove the 25 kilometres to the Christmas parade in suburban Waukesha is not known. But when he did spot the parade, he drove through vehicle barriers on Main Street and began veering towards people marching in the parade at a speed of 65 kilometres per hour. He continued along for a further 800 metres, driving in, and I quote, a zigzag pattern, according to police, in order to hit as many people as possible before leaving the parade route and fleeing. Five people died at the scene, including four members of a dance troupe known as the Milwaukee Dancing Grannies, comprised of grandmothers, obviously, including one who was 81 years of age. In the immediate aftermath, uh, local hospitals admitted 28 people, nine of whom were in a critical condition. Within two days of the attack, 62 people were being treated for injuries, 18 of them children. Mm. On November 23rd, that's uh, two days afterwards, an eight-year-old boy died of brain injuries after being struck by Brooks' car. Uh, He and his 12-year-old brother, who suffered a fractured skull at the same time and has since made a full recovery, had been marching in the parade representing their local baseball team. So Brooks remains in custody and is awaiting sentencing, and he does face life in prison, but for better or worse, the state of Wisconsin abolished the death penalty in the golden age of 1853. 1853, Joel, that Wisconsin abolished the death penalty. Um, more than 100 years before the state of Victoria in Australia did so. Yeah. And it's a really interesting thing. I mean, a really interesting thing in and own. There's a bit of a sidelight, I know, but uh, Wisconsin was, you know, big, bad Midwest, but but sort of, you know, colonial West, uh, um, Western sort of... Uh, Holsters and revolvers and but, shit. But yeah, indeed. But it was, but it was founded by a lot of um, Quakers and peace-loving folk and so forth. So they got rid of the death penalty in 1853. There've been mm. various calls over the years for it to be, uh, for it to be resurfaced. But the state of Wisconsin has um, uh, always, uh, always uh, uh, not gone back to the death penalty that it had back in the mid 19th century. Wisconsin doesn't have the death penalty, but they do kill their residents with a lot of cheese. <laughs> 
that's, that's but that's a good death. Joe. It is a good death. It is. Uh, look at the time of Brooks' outrage, he was on bail after being charged with domestic violence-related offences, where he drove his vehicle into his aforementioned partner and where she sustained minor injuries. And this led to appeals from the people of Wisconsin after the attack. After the attack in, in Waukesha, uh, this led to calls for the government to toughen bail laws and calls for judges to refuse bail where any risk to the community might exist. It's certainly worth taking on on board if he had been remanded in custody after the domestic violence episode where he drove his car at his partner and injured her. Uh, Perhaps if he had stayed, well, definitely if he had stayed behind bars, um, the attack would not have occurred, well, certainly not at that time. And as we know, listeners, so sits appearing courts denying their identity. Yes. See, when an eyewitness identified Brooks as the driver, Brooks objected to it and said, I do not consent to being called that name, nor do I know any individual by that name, your honour. I mean, shut the fuck up. Yeah, Sovsits believe in the straw man theory, a pseudo-legal principle that an individual has two personas, one of flesh and blood, the other a separate legal entity known as a straw man that assumes responsibilities for taxes, debts, liabilities, and criminal responsibilities and breaches of criminal law. The theory goes that the straw man is not real and thus taxes or outstanding debts are not payable and criminal offences can be committed with impunity. They are sovereign and thus beyond the reach of the sovereign state. I mean, you know, it's shitty pseudo-legal gibberish. Yeah, it never works. I mean, Brooks no. has an extensive criminal history, including a conviction for a sex offence okay. and multiple convictions for domestic violence offences. Nice. In April 2010, he pleaded guilty to a charge of strangulation. Oof. And there were no signs of attachment to Sovsit beliefs in any of his appearances in courts prior to his trial over the Waukesha Parade attack. Yeah. His sovereign citizen beliefs were acquired. Now, one might think he did so opportunistically, and that would be correct to a point, but he gathered these torturous beliefs through online message boards and chat rooms. Uh, When examined by the Southern uh, Poverty Law Centre, Brooks uh, showed social media history was a crude catalogue of conspiracy theories, anti-Semitism and black nationalism. Yep. And the origins of the sovereign citizen movement in the US are grounded in anarcho-white supremacy groups, but many black Americans have adopted its principles more recently and amended them to their own purposes. In 2021, a group of black sovsits assembled in rural Massachusetts to protest lockdowns, but police attended and ordered them to disperse, but instead they dashed off into the mountains and days later had to be rescued on mass. <laughs> we, we actually covered that in a very early episode of the show. It's extremely funny, um, but this, of course, this They'd episode, be the Moorish sovereigns. Yeah, 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 they were. I mean, this, and it's all part of that thing. And again, the sort of Kanye West, that sort of black nationalism too, that's just dripping with anti-Semitism. Yeah, yeah, true. Look, in this country, in Australia, the sovereign citizen movement is growing. Yeah, one Australian man we reported on this segment before who was attached to the so-called freedom movement and part of the February protests in Canberra has been charged with assault, occasionally actual bodily harm, and a short list of public order offences. Now, he's appeared in court via video link where he espoused sovereign citizen beliefs, failed to acknowledge his name, and spoke over the magistrate to the point where the magistrate muted his audio feed. He just sat there blabbing to no one. <laughs> Nevertheless, the subsidy applied for and received bail. Got bail. To no one's great surprise, he failed to appear. Yep. And a warrant was issued and he was later arrested again by the New yep. South Wales Wallopers and attending court in person this time. He swore hand on heart 
that he would return for his trial, receive bail, and, you guessed it, failed to appear yet again. Uh-huh. Another bench warrant was issued, and the police had to go round him up for the third time. They must have got sick of doing that. Yes, it does feel like a wasted breath, but, you know, how, how it goes, it just is what it is. Yeah, and in the case of Brooks, the US media fixated on the soft-sit defence. There's a lot of media wondering, why would they do this? Because it's not going to it work. It works, you morons. You know? Never works, and, Never and this works. is this was the point of the, the this was the point of the media coverage. Why would you do this if it has a history of failure? You know, a hundred percent history of failure. Yeah, uh, and and that is true. You know, it never works, whether civil or criminal proceedings. Never works. So sit pseudo law always fails. But that's not the objective. You know, this is what we've got to understand. And this is the, the threat going on. The, the threat going forward. The aim is to disrupt court, court proceedings as much as possible and draw attention to themselves. Mm-hmm. And a, another Australian self-sit emerged from a courtroom, bailed on public order offences, and proceeded to abuse a group of court reporters for being part of, he said, the lying mainstream media. I'm part of that lying mainstream media, by the way. <laughs> and once he'd completed his tirade, he then invited the journalists to assemble around him so he could make a statement, you know. You're all, you're all bastards, part of a conspiracy, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I just wanted to make a statement. I was wondering if you could just get yep. get, a, get it down. Yeah. I do love attention. Yeah. <laughs> so the journos declined to play his game. I mean, that's Good. the sort of funny side of these idiots, but yeah. They're fucking annoying. I mean, with a few exceptions, the court aren't quite sure what to do about sovsits. I mean, I know a judge who apparently had a copy of the Magna Carta on her bench when someone started spouting shit with Al Sefra presented. She'd go, oh, yeah, okay, let's go into that. Let's let's talk. And they'd always be <laughs> like, good. oh, shit. Oh, shit. I didn't quite prepare for this. I just thought you'd be annoyed and tell me to shut up. Oh, fuck. It's quite funny. But uh, in Brooke's trial, Judge Doro was extraordinarily patient. Because oh, so patient. You can't have a mistrial. You've got to be very, very patient. And this mm. was, like you said, like more patient than many of us would have been, like so patient. But this is the thing because she's painfully aware the seriousness of Brooke's crimes requires that he needs to be seen to receive a fair trial and there's that's no right. shenanigans because that's the one way this soul shit thing can work. If, if you lose your temper and mm. you fuck things up, then, yep. yeah, maybe he will get a mistrial. So, sadly, that allowed Brooks to cross-examine witnesses, including victims, and one police officer who fired a shot at Brooks in an attempt to stop his outrage. And Brooks beat, briefly ditched the sort of solicit nonsense and gave his best Clarence Darrow impersonation, accusing the police officer of attempted murder, which is just <laughs> so ballsy. It's just a shame he Cheeky missed. boy. It's just a shame that Walloper missed. Oh, absolutely. It would seem Brooks offered his solicit defence opportunistically. He, he actually did, you know. Um, what grounding he had in South City, he picked up along the way. But he's looked at this and gone, "Yeah, how can how can I disrupt this in the most in the most awful way possible?" Yeah. But in other in, in, in less serious matters, you know, other less serious matters, soft sits are contemplating it, or not soft sits, but people are just kind of contemplating just it too. We shot. covered this in which uh, Black Bill Fuckwit said that in September, Monica Smith. Uh, told her followers at Reignite Democracy Australia she was planning a sovsit defence over a public orders over a public orders charges. Yeah. I wonder if she's you know followed the Brooks trial if she's going to continue to do it because sovsits right now in the United States not very yeah popular. they're not the branding is off and we've been seeing this movement grow from its origins of less than say thirty odd years ago choking yeah, up civil courts all- and now criminal ones just wasting people's fucking time but also making a mockery of the process and traumatising people. I mean as the awful experience yeah. of the Brooks conviction shows us the sovereign citizen thing has never worked but the damage that he's inflicted upon these people with this selfish nonsense is like it's very real and there's real trauma as a result this as we've done this in a grave sort of way this hasn't been funny it's been upsetting basically 
everyone in the movement from Wayne Glue down is living in a van down by the river, and that's not going to change. Never works. Soft sit, sit bullshit, pseudo lord, never, never works. works. And this is always about some kind of showboating. It's deeply rooted in narcissistic traits and extracting as much ugly publicity and attention from a trial. And this just draws further pain from the victims before the hammer finally falls. And with any luck, they go to fucking jail. Oh, half the time they get bail. And look, you know, self sits sometimes can be very funny, but not this nah, time. This wasn't funny. Fuck, Fuck them. them. I'm a staunch patriot. I love our country. I love our freedoms. I love that in Australia you can be anything that you want to be. There is nothing and no one stopping you from achieving your hopes, your aspirations, and your dreams. It has been a huge week for UAP Senator for Victoria, Ralph Zippy Babbitt, who has finally come back to Twitter. He's back! In early October, Zip nuked his account for reasons unknown to us, but after Elon Musk bought Twitter, he got a little bit excited and came back to grace us all with his lovely presence. Bless. Bless. Bless that man. Pete might be doing something similar because his Telegram has been peppered with screenshots of people coming back to Twitter after Elon Musk has, you know, taken it over. Now, mm, good. this is something we need to say for fucking idiots in the back. The content moderation policy hasn't actually changed. And as demonstrated recently, it was weak as piss to start with. It took a lot to get taken down. For yeah. the most part, people who got taken down were taken down because they're fucking idiots. Daniel Morrison being the exception to the rule, I'm sure he was a victim of a massive oh, there were a few, conspiracy. Yeah, there were a few exceptions. People who got caught, uh, you know, sort of so-called for, point, for pointing out disinfo were often banned for Yes, exactly. The dis- algorithms are dumb. Yeah. But the usual suspects are ignoring this reality and just firing up their Twitter accounts anyway. Dr. Stella Emanuel's making a new account, otherwise known as the Demon Sperm Lady. So Ooh. she's back on the Hastings she's saying, back. please follow me because Fancy. Elon Musk is going to give me a force field for my bullshit. Look, it's probably going to get flagged as a ban evasion and deleted eventually. But this is the thing. It's not a matter of what's happening. It's a matter of how they're feeling emboldened. The lunatics feel like they're running the asylum now. And we are about to have... The zone flooded with shit. Good times, good times. So there was also an article in the Atlantic titled, Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. We need to forgive one another for what we did and said while we were in the dark about COVID. Never. It's mostly about the initial parts of the pandemic and the way in which things were very difficult to understand, but they only posted the headline because they don't want to actually discuss what's the content of the article. This has been a red-ragged idiots to say, no, we don't forgive you for what happened. (laughs) Like as if that was ever on the table. Like they've never suggested that to be – like they're not amicable people. And then like, you know, a bunch of shit memes are posted about this, and this is on Pete's Telegram. But Zippy Babbitt also decided to put chiming in this two cents, had the screenshot of the headline, no link to the article because people might read it, and this is what he said. <laughs> I will not forgive what you said. I will not forget what you did. I will not give you any amnesty. Well, he's a senator. You know, he's a very important person. Yes. Um, so, yeah, then he went on to say, those who inflicted insane rules and policies and those who cheered them on must be held to account. We must have a full inquiry, COVID Royal Commission inquiry. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Zippy. Nobody cares. You are inconsequential. The only people who care are, I don't know, us, because we think you're funny. But look, as usual with Pete, 
on his Telegram. It's mostly his clips of Tucker Carlson, so I don't care. Pete's just not interested anymore. Like, I barely even bother to check boring. his fucking boring Telegram channel where he just posts boring, Fox Pete. News clips. Just don't care. So I'm going back to Babbitt because it's not all Parliament and posting for Senator Grindset. He loudly declared that his move into Parliament would result in a pay cut for him as he left his wildly successful real estate business, a business that is so successful that it earned him immense wealth over the years, which, of course, (laughs) he invested wisely with his Senator's Registry of Interest showing he has a lovely Mercedes-Benz, which is still on finance, Mm -hmm. zero investments, zero property interests. I guess what? Did you put all your money in a fucking shoebox under your bed, you dead shit? <laughs> no. So, uh, look, Zips decided to have an each way. You know, maybe making up for lost time with his real estate business, having made fuck all money for a long time. Because, he's, you know, it's hard to do real estate when you're on the pingers. Remaining <laughs> a part of the Babbitt Brothers real estate company, he's still in it. And let's face it, this isn't really a real estate company. It's at best a franchise, which operates under this company called At Realty, which is a Queensland firm. They process all the payments and they give them payment as individuals as opposed to a company. It's so small scale. It's like absolute flea market shit. But his mobile number is still proudly on the website claiming he can be contacted 24 hours a day, which is such a bad thing to say publicly. (laughs) When you're a senator and actually publishing that same number as a contact point for for anyone who wants to get hold of him in terms of parliamentary matters. 24 hours a day. Just 24 hours a a day. Hard-working man. I know what I'm going to be doing at 5 a.m. So while details on whether he's actively working with his brother to flog real estate to pilled parrots, or if he just hasn't updated the website, it was enough to pique the interest of Michael Redan at the Australian Financial Review. Oh, and he wrote a piece on Michael. It was nice to see a little bit of a, a little bit of a thing because Zippy's not doing anything of any fucking note. So you've got to find stuff like this because he's really funny and you want to cover him, but he mm. just doesn't do anything. Mm. But the thing that I – and look, you, you, you guys are mates, but I do regret the fact that Michael didn't seek comment from the senator um, because I'm sure whatever he would come up with would be oh, really well, funny. Michael, Michael's a very bright man, Joel. <laughs> I think he thought, I can file this and really not have to speak to that man. Yeah, I would imagine this was one of those ones where it's like, oh, this will be an easy one. Slam dunk. But according to the article, there's no rule against moonlighting as a senator – and due to the fact that Ralph's vote in the Senate is all but meaningless, I mean, he's got to pass the time somehow. He may as well flog houses. <laughs> it makes sense that he just sort of continues his life as a real estate agent while fleecing the government as much money and benefits as humanly possible because welfare is actually pretty sweet. I mean, like, he doesn't like welfare. He is on unless welfare. Unless he's getting it. This is, this is essentially him on welfare, but good welfare, you know, oh, yeah. 200000 a year. It ain't new start. It's just amazing how this asshole will be sitting there Fucking posting Margaret Thatcher nonsense while not doing his job and taking government money. What a prick. he will he will collect a million dollars plus as yep. welfare, and he will the, do nothing over the course of his sad little political career. He'll do fucking nothing for it. Babbitt has also been doing his job as a UOP stooge, which is great. You know, he's a good party man. He bleeds yellow, apparently. Maybe we should check that theory out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds been- like urine. It yes, really it does. does sound like he's got a massive kidney problem. Yes, it really does. And he's been attending some campaign events with Clive Palmer and Jeff Shaw, stand-up guy, for oh, the yeah. upcoming Victorian election, which is going to be an absolute shit fight. And hopefully no cookers get elected, but I genuinely don't know. No, I've got some doubts. Yeah, go on. It is difficult to imagine that his presence is the thing that's going to get people up no no I we can safely say that it isn't really don't think he's going to increase the vote by much but hey look he's got a lot of spare time like between his 
completely shit real estate business and his purposeless Senate job, I think he's got some spare time. And let's face it, when he's there in those small rooms with 25 or so cookers with his year 10 style of public speaking, (laughs) I mean, it's hard not to feel inspired. Let's just say that. (laughs) But it's a beautiful thing to see Babbitt out being Babbitt because he's a very funny man and I love his work and I love this segment. I always hated Pete Evans. He's a fucking Nazi and gives me the shit. But Babbitt... His mixture of stupidity Genuinely and confidence. Funny. He just makes him such a perfect idiot for this sort of comedy. I, and I, look, I am constantly looking forward to see what he comes up with next. I love him. He, yeah, yeah, you got to love him. Oh, look, and I do look forward to Pete getting back on Twitter. And I think that's one of the great things about Elon Musk, that we'll be yeah. seeing Pete back on Twitter and you'll be able to get stuck into him. Yes. Because <laughs> that's the other way. With social media forms, you can, you can bang away back. I do hope that Elon Musk removes the block button, but I do know he is very fond of it. We'll see. And you have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your hosts, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with a K. We set up a Facebook page. You can find it fairly easily. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please share it on social media. It's really helpful in building the audience. And if you build the audience, then we get more patrons. If we get more patrons, I can spend more time on this and spend less time doing menial Mm. work, which makes baby Jesus cry. And he was a carpenter. And let's get on with it. Okay. And we might actually be able to rock up to uh, to uh, Zippy's office and uh, put it funny. right on him. That would be oh, fun. Oh, shit. If we had enough patrons to actually do some dumb shit, that would be amazing. Yeah, that would be very, very funny. So keep that money rolling in, patrons. Uh, we have a Patreon to help keep this sustainable. It's a labour of love, but we still have to pay the rent. www.patreon.com backslash theconditionalreleaseprogram.com. Go and check it out and see if That's you can right. afford to throw us a bit of Bit of bit of coin our way. We we do understand that people are living under very serious inflationary pressures at the moment, cost of living pressures. But if you can, please, please do. And of course, we do release bonus episodes and things like that. There's perks to the whole thing. But if you are experiencing financial pain and you really, really want one of the bonus episodes, especially if you heard a trailer and you want to hear more, but it just you just can't justify it. It's only five bucks, but we still understand. Send me a message and I'll send you a link. Yeah, and finally, all feedback, tips, and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if it's to tell us that you've just had one off the wrist outside of school to blow off some steam. That's great. I'm happy you're feeling better. Oh, oh bless. I'm much less stressed now. Oh, good. I was really worried about oh, you. Seemed just really relaxed. By the look yeah. of your throbbing erection, you seem very stressed. <laughs> I'm, I'm very relaxed now. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> Thanks, Loose News. Thanks, guys. See you later. See ya. I don't think I ever want to talk to any of those people. Fuck me!